0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things
1: geek.
2: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. That's right, folks, we are here and we are going to meet Eve. Eve is a really interesting woman and. You know, Darren introduced us to her, and he is here to talk all about Eve. That's right. The 1951 movie that, you know, to some is very iconic and very, you know, forceful and an interesting story in itself. And Eve as a character, very complex. And it's going to be a great way to talk about it. And a very younger Betty Davis, too. So, you know, she has the most piercing eyes, even back then she does. And a person who I know who has such piercing eyes stares at me all the time when I'm recording this podcast. Let's welcome my co-host, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! How are you, sir? I'm I'm watching you, Faber. I'm Uh, watching you. You and your Betty Davis eyes? (laughs) You might be able to dim
1: your room with uh, light, but I can still see you, buddy.
2: Uh, Exactly. So, you know, I'm thinking you and Kim Carnes could be there with her Betty Davis eyes. It's good.
1: Ah, Kim Carnes. Yes. I don't yeah. think we're allowed to talk about Kim Carnes without uh Kevin Elder here, though.
2: Oh, I know it's 1980s talk. Nope, we yep. can't do that at all.
1: Yeah, there's no way that he's probably seen her live.
2: I wouldn't doubt it. I'm sure he's probably <laughs> I'm sure he's probably performed with her, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. We should Anything's call, possible. I should call him up right now. Hey, Kevin, we're on the air right now. Have you ever met Kim Carnes?
1: I'm sure she's done a bumper for him.
2: Oh, exactly. So it's pretty awesome. And I had never seen this movie before. So it was a neat experience for me.
1: I have... Uh, I mean, well, I'm, I know we'll get into it later. But uh, I. it's one of those movies that I'd heard so much about. But mm-hmm. I just... Hadn't watched it until maybe about uh, four or five months ago. I saw it for the first time on uh, Turner Classic Movies. So, uh, yeah, but I rewatched it again for the podcast. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I liked it the first time I saw it, but I think I'm liking it more and more each time I see it. So. hmm It's going to be fun to talk about. I'm really anxious to see, you know, Darren's take on it and why, you know, it's significant in in terms of, uh, you know, gay history.
2: No, of course, of course, of course. It's, it's very interesting that, you know, I could see where it ties into the, a lot of the LGBT and gay culture and such from watching this. So, It definitely would be a lot to talk about. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. So please write us, EarthStation1 at ESOnetwork.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. And, you know, big shout out for everybody who is joining us tonight. And, of course, can't do this without our patrons. And, you know, our patrons are part of our lifeblood here at earth station one and at the ESO network. And we want to thank you guys for, you know, being here. And thank you for some of the feedback that we've gotten for our new, you know, the ESO board silly podcast up on the Patreon. And, you know, some folks are like, that was fun. That was cool to hear your guys' thoughts on what's going on with COVID-19 and how you guys are handling it. And, you know, a lot of people, are very very concerned about what's happening, who is there, and you know how each person is dealing with it and not dealing with it. So I do- totally understand. I uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to patrons Jill Sanders and Dave Slaughter. Thank you so much for, of course, supporting the network, and of course, Earth Station One is part of that. So. Definitely, thank you, thank you, thank you, as we like to say. Uh, you know, and you could become a patron, too, for as little as 25 cents a week for, you know, all kinds of cool stuff, including, you know, the ESO Board Silly podcast. And, you know, we have different reviews from other podcasters. We, uh, you get 48-hour previews of Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and hopefully the Dragon Con Report. We'll know more about that in a few weeks. So, if you know what's happening with that, but enough said with that. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Also a big shout out to our friends over at tofozy That's right, folks tofozy, the sponsor of the earth station one podcast, you know, folks here, you know, I had been trying to get Mike Gordon to pick up a pair of Tifosi sunglasses, but he needs prescriptions in it. And guess what, folks? Tifosi has prescription service. Like If you have a a prescription for your eyes, you can get sunglasses in your prescription. That is pretty awesome. All you have to do is go to tofosioptics.com, and at the top, there's a place to put a coupon code in. All you have to do is ESO Network, and you get 10% off your order. Great sunglasses, great gaming glasses, or TV glasses. It's pretty darn awesome. We are tofosi, as they like to say. So definitely check it out and tell them Earth Station One sent you. It's pretty darn awesome. With that being said, let's get started with this week's Rants and Raves. You know, something I want to talk about real quick is, you know, I've been finding a lot of extra time on my hands lately. And, you know, I've been finding out I have a guilty pleasure that I didn't even know about. You know, and, you know, it's nothing bad or anything. And, you know, I could talk about it on the air. I've been watching road trip videos on YouTube. It's pretty awesome. I don't. Have you heard of these, Mike?
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: It is a video that people go to different parts of the world, and they plop it in their cars, the like 4K camera on the dashboard, and they film where they do the drive where they're going. Some people they're not narrating it. It's all just it's just you seeing it from the driver's point of view. And you're basically driving through the Swiss Alps, or you could be driving through downtown Atlanta, or you could be driving through the California coast or the Maine coast. You just type in, you know, you know, scenic drive, Seattle or scenic drive, Alaska or scenic drive, Vietnam, you know, wherever you want to go. And I've been fascinated with this while I'm editing the podcast. I'm sitting down in the living room. With, you know, YouTube going and just having the scenic drive and I'm editing the podcast at the same time. Or I'm working on some work. I have some of the scenic drives in a separate window on a different monitor while I'm up in the office. And it's, it's, it's just almost becoming an obsession for me. It's pretty darn awesome. They also have walking tours of areas. I did a walking tour of uh, the old town, old section of Jerusalem it's it's just really cool and you know it's a guilty pleasure you know are you finding now that you have some extra free time you're doing anything like this
1: um not like that no i mean i can understand certainly uh someone who travels as much as you did uh before all this happened i can see where you're getting the itch and it's it's the virtual traveling is probably at least uh scratching that a little bit um but uh no, I, I do find myself, I have found myself on occasion. Now this is not recent, but, uh, I've been known to do this occasionally, which is to, uh, check out Google maps and find a place and then sort of virtually drive there. It's, it's
2: kind of the same thing. Yeah.
1: So I will just like kind of just, uh, yeah, just, uh, travel on the road. Uh, like I'll, um, A lot of times I'll go, or not a lot of times, I don't do it a lot, but the times I've done it, I've done it, like, especially um, at home in Massachusetts, I've gone through uh, some of the back roads or some of the roads I used to take when I used to drive around, uh, either uh, from college to uh, my uh, parents' house or into Boston or around, around different areas just to see you know what it looks like and just sort of be uh, just sort of drive around the old neighborhood, so to speak. Um, and, uh, and I can do that virtually of course. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, um, cause it's, it, and I have noticed that since, you know, the, since people can't travel and see a lot of these sites that a lot of tourism places are offering virtual tours.
2: Oh, exactly. You can go to the Louvre and do f- virtual tours. You can go to the Grand Ole Opry and they have virtual performances. You can go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you and Michelle have been to.
1: Yes. And, and they've not virtually.
2: Uh, no, you guys have been there in real life, but they're doing virtual tours of the museum there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
2: Mm-hmm. And also, the music experience out in Seattle is doing the same thing. And so it's, it's really cool stuff that you, you're finding doing and everything. I'm sure if you went on to, you could do scenic rides, um, Boston area or Massachusetts, like the, you know, the, what are the mountains called there? The Brickshirts or something like that.
1: Oh, the Berkshires? The
2: Berkshires. Yeah, that's it. And also Cape Cod. You know, I'm sure there's tons of stuff out there for it, but it's, it's really fun stuff that you can do. And yeah, I used to do the same thing with Google Earth do the virtual road trips that way and just follow the road. Oh. And I've gone through like my hometown where I grew up and say, wow, that's changed. That's changed. And, you know, <laughs> so I know that's totally geeky, but you know, hey. I, I'm a geek about maps. So, and travel. So it's pretty cool. And it's, it's interesting though, cause I know that a lot of stuff that, you know, like you know, there's games out there that there's one game that I play. It's called GeoGuessr, and I was told about that game by uh was it's Rick Baldwin uh, from the This Epic Disaster podcast. Cool. Uh, they get told me about this game. It basically uses Google Maps. They it's like they drop you some any place in the earth on the Earth. They don't tell you where, and they use Google Maps, and they like fuzz out any of the road signs and everything, you have to try to figure out where you are on a map after, you know, after a bit, you know, you drive, you, you go through the map area and try to figure out where you are. And then you hit a map button and you have to like drop a pin where you think you are. And the closer you are to the exact location, you get points. Excellent. Uh It is really, it's fun for someone like me, who's like a geography nut, but it's kind of like, it's also like, "Ah, this takes up too much time. (laughs) 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 But right now, you know, that's all we have is time.
1: Well, and yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, folks have a lot of time. And like I said, I mean, we're not, you know, traveling is not, Uh, something that we're able to do so it's kind of cool to have that uh, outlet to be able to travel and see places virtually if we can't actually do it uh, you know
2: exactly well exactly and it's places you know now i want to go to switzerland to see the swiss alps you know i've i've never been i've been to europe i've been to england and i've been to france but i've never been Been out you yeah exactly i've never (laughs) been to me Thank you. Talk about 80s moments there, dude. You know? Know, right? Wow. Kevin must be in heaven right now when he's listening to this. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, it's just it's just interesting to be able to do stuff like that and go p- do things and road trips. And I just love things like that. And I just, you know, I just we will have a link up to a couple of these things that, you know, are up there. I think GeoGuessr is on Android and for um, iOS, but I don't know if it is available for you know if in it. I'm sure because it's all Google Maps based, so it it's easy to do, and everyone has access to YouTube, and it's all free. And the 4K stuff is just beautiful if you get a chance, especially if you watch it on your TV. And it's just like, and you you feel like you're actually driving sometimes. The only th- Things that do suck is sometimes when they have commercials in the center of it, you're all mellow and you're driving, and then all of a sudden, you know, a commercial pops up. It's like, ah, <laughs> so, so it's pretty cool. So, it's you know, it's interesting stuff. You know, have you been watching anything or any kind of TV or such?
1: Uh, well, sure. Uh, and I'm watching TV. Uh, a lot of TV, actually, a lot of movies. Oh, one thing I did. Um, but uh, yeah, one thing I did. I um watched the. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, places that are doing special releases during the pandemic. Um, the National Theatre in London, uh, of course, has recently uh, made a lot of their performances available, and uh, two of them. Uh, or I should say, one of them in two different ways uh, has been released, which is uh, Frankenstein, which is a Danny Boyle oh, written yes. and directed, and uh, you know it's uh, stars uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller who switch roles. Uh, Isn't it on, every every
2: night they're changing? Who's well, I don't who's I don't know how
1: doing. often they did it, but um, I do know that there's two performances that were recorded, and one has. Uh, Cumberbatch as the as the monster, the creature, and uh, the other. I mean, as Johnny Lee Miller has uh, as Victor, and then they flip the roles this in the second performance. So I, I actually watched both of those, and uh, and then after I watched both of those, I actually listened to um, when I think it's when Monsters Attack, the podcast that uh, Jim Adams and Madeline and the award winning Mark Maddox do. Uh, and they talked about it. So, um, so that was fun. I, I did that. And uh, I think the national theater, I don't think you can watch those on YouTube anymore. That was only to, I think the beginning of May. Uh, but I've heard that the next performance that they're going to release, uh, they may have already done. So, uh, so you have to check it out, but um, is a version of streetcar named desire with Jillian uh, Anderson, uh, starring Jillian Anderson. And I'm I guessing that. she's going to be playing, Stella. No, no. I'm, I imagine she's playing Blanche. Oh, of course. Uh, I imagine. I mean, she could probably probably play either, but I'm pretty sure she's playing Blanche. So, uh, and you know, it's amazing uh that uh that they're doing this and I have to give them a lot of credit. Um when I first started watching the Frankenstein uh, performance, um uh, the first one I saw was the one with uh Johnny Lee Miller as Victor hard for me to believe that this was these were recorded in 2011. So these are like almost a decade old. I think you uh, and I
2: had talked about it when uh, it first came out.
1: So long ago we've been doing the podcast. Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um which is amazing to me cuz it doesn't seem like it it's been that long since they were released uh but they do actually look a bit younger uh than they than I from you know I mean they're 10 years younger. So uh but um uh, when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, my God, I've been there. Like, I for- totally forgot that when I was in London, uh, one of the performances that I saw, I, I saw an Ibsen play uh, performed at the National Theater, a beautiful theater. And it, I, like I said, I don't think it's still available, but if it is or if there's some way that people can see it. Uh, I recommend they do so because it is a wonderful production. Either way, uh, if you watch either performance, uh, they're both winners to me. There's certain things that are a little bit different on, and of course with each, each performer, but um, uh, it is, it is amazingly well done. And for those of us who just read Frankenstein, like we did in October, um, this one is probably one of the most accurate or faithful adaptations to the book that I've ever seen. As far as an adaptation goes, Uh, there's a lot of stuff that are that's straight from the book and uh, that I've never seen in a movie before. And I thought that was, that was interesting. So uh, in the stage, the, the music, the, the setting, uh, uh, everything about it, the way that this play was put together. I mean, it's top notch. I mean, you know the National Theatre in London is probably one of the best theaters in the world for seeing uh, anything, and uh, um, they they do an amazing job. So uh, if you've never seen a play there, um, this is now is your chance.
2: Exactly, and there's lots of experiences like that out there, folks. It's just take advantage of it. You have all the free time in the world right now. Is
1: well, some people do.
2: Some people do. Yes. But a lot of people, you know, cause movie theaters are closed. There's no sporting events really. Right. And, you know, so use this time, go find out all about this. And a lot of them are free, which is even nicer. So definitely check it out. You know, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. What are you doing with, you know, your free time? What are you, are you watching anything? Are you doing any virtual tours? Tell us, we are always looking for new stuff. We definitely would love to find out about it. Please write us at Earth Station 1 at esonetwork.com Let's take a quick break and we'll be back and we're going to find out all about Eve you be a woman. Soon.
3: This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We've got several big movies coming out on Blu ray and DVD in the next couple weeks, so let's go ahead and take a look at those. First up is Birds of Prey, the DC Cinematic Universe movie all about Harley Quinn. Now, I was really looking forward to this movie when it came out in theaters. The trailers looked super fun, and it was great to see a cast of female superheroes, or in this case, maybe one more like anti-heroes teaming up, fighting crime. I will say that while I enjoyed this movie, I didn't love it as much as I was hoping to, which was a little bit disappointing. It felt like just all the ingredients didn't quite connect, like the plot and the villain weren't quite as engaging as Harley Quinn herself. So, it's still definitely well worth checking out on streaming or DVD, and I may even want to see it again to see if my opinion changes. But overall, fun movie, but not all I was hoping it would be. We also have the Harrison Ford movie, The Call of the Wild, about a man and his dog in the wilderness. I did not get a chance to see this in theaters, so... I am looking forward to checking it out now that it's on DVD. Coming up in the next week, we have the Disney Pixar movie Onward. Now, this one's already been out on streaming for a while, so many of you have probably already seen it. I did get a chance to see this one in theaters before the shutdown, and I thought it was okay, but I was a little disappointed in it, too. I thought it just wasn't quite as good as some of the other Disney Pixar movies, although I do know others that really, really loved it. So if it was still in theaters, I would probably say, eh, you don't really need to rush out and see it, but it's good to watch at home. Also, coming out on DVD and Blu ray is the adaptation of the Jane Austen novel Emma. Now, I personally love Jane Austen. She's my favorite author, and I've seen many, many movie adaptations of her works. And so I was thinking, eh, I don't know if we really need another adaptation of Emma, but this new one is just delightful. It's actually kind of special to me because it is the last movie I saw in theaters before the shutdown, and I'm really glad I got a chance to see it. It's funny it's charming it's a nice feel-good movie to kind of pick up your spirits and that's all i've got for this week's box office buzz if you're looking for more entertainment related content be sure to check out my blog over on the eso podcast website i recently took a look and reviewed the final season of the clone wars on disney plus
2: i'm drew leiter and i'm cletus jacobs And we're here on the station surviving the coronavirus. Since you guys are probably quarantined there down on Earth, we'll let you know uh, we got DC News, comics,
4: television shows we're going to be talking about every week. Come join us every week on the Earth
2: Station DCU podcast here on the ESO Network.
0: Honored members, ladies and gentlemen, for distinguished achievement in the theater, the Sarah Siddons Award. ...to Miss Eve Hattie. I'm gonna take you to Margot. Oh, no. Oh, yes, she's got to meet you. She's quite a girl, this what's-her-name.
5: Eve. I've forgotten they grew that way. I take it she read well.
4: It wasn't a reading, it was a performance. Brilliant. Vivid, something made of music and fire.
5: How nice.
0: After all you've said, don't you know that part was written for Margot? It might have been 15 years ago. It's my part now. You're quite a girl. You think? Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a
1: bumpy night. Sir. You do all that just for a part. And a part I'd do much more for a pot that good.
0: Why do they always look like unhappy rabbits?
2: Because that's what they are. I Don't make him happy. There never was, and there never will be another
5: like you. Hey everybody! Welcome to another edition of the Rainbow Room here at ESO.
2: Yay! I like that name. That's awesome. You like Actually, the Rainbow Room? Yeah, let's keep I, it.
5: Oh, we can we can definitely keep it because I I have something special for you. All. We're gonna we're gonna do a trifecta of uh, black and whites. So we need to have some color somewhere. So th- this next three uh, group that we're gonna do part ones tonight. We're going to do three classic black and white films that don't necessarily have gay characters in them, but they're so iconic that you will see drag queens ape them. And uh, they have become legendary over the years for their influence in gay culture and pop culture. And tonight we're going to start with the classic All About Eve. This is a 1950s black and white by Joe Mankiewicz, directed. And it stars um, Betty Davis, Celeste Holm, Ann Baxter, uh, let's see here, George Sanders, uh, Gary Merrill, Hugh Marlowe, uh, Gregory Ratoff, Thelma Ritter, and in her first on-screen appearance, Marilyn Monroe.
1: Sweet Marilyn. Mm-hmm.
5: This
2: was her first? I didn't know. This, it was...
5: Was, this was her first appearance. She was fired from Warner Brothers for not being photogenic. Yep. Wow. Yeah, put no, put that, put guy that in know. your hat and smoke it.
1: <laughs> just to start yeah. off. That guy lost his job.
5: Yeah, pretty much. Uh <laughs> <laughs> unless unless of course it was Jack Warner and he he's made some big boo boos over the years. Well, but you know, true. whatever. Well, um the reason why this movie is so important is Betty Davis is a gay icon. Without a doubt. And Betty Davis's struggle as um a star, um, when we talk about her she is an actress she's not a movie star now she became a movie star by being a really great actress but she was always more about the work than looking glamorous she was always about doing the best performance that she could this screenplay it was hard to tell where betty davis's life ended and margo channing the part she plays began
1: because
5: there were so, so very many similarities. Which is
1: so mind-blowing because she was only, she was cast last minute.
5: She's a replacement for Claudette Colbert.
1: Yeah, she was only yeah. like, wow. she only, yeah, she was only cast like with a week or two weeks to go, like yes. before they a started week. filming this. Yeah, but which is it,
2: amazing. It, it seemed like this role was written for her though. It yeah.
1: really does. I mean,
5: well, yeah. Be thankful Claudette Colbert has a bad back. She was in traction. Yep. So that's why they had to go with someone else and they had to go with Betty Davis because she was the only other actress who could play this part who was around. And of course, this is after her big hoo-ha with Warner brothers and getting fired and out of her contract and blah, blah, blah. And she thought she was done working.
1: Everybody thought she was done working.
5: Yeah. She was placed an ad in variety <laughs> looking for work.
1: She was not like, yeah, when she <laughs> was cast as this, it was not like, Oh, it's going to save this. It's almost, this was a risk.
5: It was, yeah. I mean, she had a reputation for being temperamental and, uh, and difficult to work with, yada, what? yada, yada. Uh, yes, please.
2: Are you talking about Margot or Betty? <laughs> um,
5: yes. <laughs> Again, yes. And uh, when it comes to Betty Davis's performance in here, this is probably the best performance of her career.
2: Oh, she was wonderful in this. Mm-hmm. She truly was wonderful, and she's beautiful in it. She. Tr- oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and because I'm used to seeing older Betty Davis, uh-huh. you know, not younger, very vivacious, and she is gorgeous in this. She she's is. Not,
1: she's not younger in this. Well, I mean, she's forty. She, I mean, she's forty. She's this is like. I mean, this as as Darren pointed out, she's this is the second like burst of her career, really.
2: Oh, um, I know. True. Um, but I mean, before so, that, she she's was so gorgeous, though. She, yeah. She steals every scene that she's in in this.
1: I think people mm-hmm. forget. I mean, we are so used to seeing Betty Davis as the icon, as the subject of a Kim Carnes song, as the <laughs> as uh, you know something to mock, a, a caricature. I think people, very few people, have actually seen her work. And, then and that's why we're bringing it up here. <laughs> yeah, and once you see her work, I mean, even the last Will movie that we did uh, featured Be- Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, which was uh, Baby Jane, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. happened to Baby Jane? Now, that's, that's a Betty Davis that is uh, still putting in, like, the work, but it's so cartoonish. And it was very
5: over the top, campy. Yes, kind of a performance. Yeah. Um,
1: but you forget that she—I mean, she was the total package. Uh, mm-hmm. she had the look. She could play. She could play a villainess. She could play an innocent. Believe it or not, there's a lot of early work where she's the uh,
5: she's the innocent ingenue. Yeah. Now in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. A lot I, of movies. <laughs> some of them not so good.
1: Yeah, but that's true. There. <laughs> Obviously, her forte is is where she gets to, you know, have a little bit of edge to her. Where she gets to be, for lack of a better term, the bitch. Yes, the Mm -hmm. bitch, absolutely. And and boy, does (laughs) Mankovich's script and this movie just give her... She's got a lot of material to work with, doesn't she? she? Like, I am shocked. Uh, Actually, Darren, I am shocked. I guess maybe it was too cliche, but I was shocked that you didn't open with Fasten your seatbelts, because it is no Mm-mm. one of the most iconic. I, I, I think. I think that's the if you if there's no nothing else that you take from this mm-hmm. movie, right that that makes it significant for gay history. Mm-hmm. It's that line that line. this features the line. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night, it, because that's like so iconic.
5: It, it's extremely iconic, and it's probably one of the top 100 lines ever in cinema. Sure. It's not just the line, it's how it's delivered, yeah. all of the stuff. But we're going to get there because
1: oh, it's beautiful.
5: Betty Davis is working with such a great cast here. Yes. That it, this is one of those parts where it's lightning in a bottle. Everyone is on point, everyone knows what their role is, everyone is just in lockstep doing their thing. Once again, like we talked about with Valley of the Dolls, the men are almost non existent in this movie. Except for one. And we'll get there. We're going to get there. (laughs) Don't you worry. We're going to get there. So (laughs) We're we're, going to go through the plot, but first a little, just a small amount of trivia here. All About Eve has been nominated for 14 Academy Awards.
3: Wow.
1: Still the record.
5: It is the record. It is tied with Titanic and La La Land. No movie has exceeded 14 nominations in a year. It won for Best Picture. It won for Best Adapted Screenplay. It won for Best Director. It won for Best Sound Mixing. It won for Best Supporting Actor. And it won for Best Costume Design, Black and White. And, of course, that was Edith Head and Charles um, LaMere. So Edith Head, otherwise known to everyone nowadays as Edna Mode, um, came in and helped with that (laughs) for sure
2: hello darling (laughs) hello darling
5: no capes darling and of course she was she was famous for working on that um the uh, chocolate satin dress that she wears at the party you can't tell it's chocolate satin um from a black and white print but it 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 is because there's there have been documentaries about that dress so let's go down how it how it all works out shall we i'm going to do a little high point of the um the plot and we'll talk about it so Going to the um, stage one night is Karen, who is the playwright's wife, Celeste Holm. And she is there, and she notices that someone's not there who's always there. There's a, there's a stage door, Johnny, or in this case, Joanna, waiting uh, to meet with her and blah, 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 even though they've never talked, apparently. And this is the night when uh, Eve Harrington decides to make her move. And why do I say it that way? Because Eve paints herself as a complete doe-eyed innocent. And she is played by the fabulous Ann Baxter.
1: This is oh. – uh, yeah, this is – yeah, we are,
5: is we, awesome. are spoiling,
1: we are spoiling the twist here. Oh, although, totally. Although it, it, you're pretty certain that something's not right with Eve uh, pretty quickly. Um, well,
5: you, you are, but you aren't. I, yeah. I think today's audience would be like on to her in a heartbeat.
1: But in the 1950s, no. It's true. There's has been, and yeah, it's it was a lot more like,
2: innocent time at that point.
1: Well, not only that, it's just that there's been this movie has been like sort of unofficially and officially been remade over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> this plot is not new to people who are, you know, familiar with uh, any storytelling right now. Mm-hmm. So. But Eve
5: gives herself away the second she walks backstage. Where does she go? She doesn't follow Celeste to, to the dressing room door. She goes right to the stage to look at it. And it's like, Hmm. And everyone and Karen, of course, is being like, Oh, she's, well, she's a new kid. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's just, she's just in awe of all this, blah, blah, blah. And so Karen meets with everyone. We meet, um, (laughs) we meet Margo who is up to her neck in cold cream ranting and raving about this that and the other and going from one subject to the other like she's manic um and her maid there Bertie, is is there trying to help her out with things
1: love Thelma Ritter yep oh, she was she's awesome great
5: and you get the impression that she was a an old volvillian who had possibly done burlesque in the day and she did a good job because they they point that out at one point uh where um, Margot points out that Birdie doesn't know anything about all this stuff. She's like, "Ah, I know plenty. I've been around. This isn't my first rodeo, blah, blah, blah. And um, Bill, who is sitting there, who is uh, Margot's boyfriend for lack of a better word um, knows right. He clocks Eve right as she comes in to a
2: point, big time
5: to a point because um, Eve tells her, or him all about the the stuff that she's read, blah, 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 including Addison DeWitt. We'll get to him. And uh, he says to her, it's like, yes, I knew. I knew you read Addison DeWitt the minute you walked in the door. (laughs) And Addison DeWitt is, is a theater critic and we will definitely get to him. So Bertie is the first one who really voices a problem with Eve. Eve has moved in after the first night Cause Margot took pity on this poor child and her long drawn out story about how she lost her husband or fiance in the war. And remember 1950.
2: This is only yeah. five
5: years after world war two. So this was a big deal. And you can imagine how that automatically gave Eve the sympathy of the audience at the time. You're like,
2: Oh, this poor girl. I know what she's so going many through. Yeah.
5: Lost their husbands, blah, blah, blah. You know, so Margot takes pity on her, brings her in as a secretary, and, and Eve basically takes over Bertie's job to a point. Eve leaves all the menial tasks for Bertie, but she takes over the secretary work and all this other stuff for Margot. Margot's just happy as she could be until things start happening that make Margot suspicious of Eve's mm-hmm. intentions. Um nothing nothing dangerous is happening. It's just there seems to be a, a lack of control from Margot to Eve, and Eve's taking over portions of her life that aren't good. So Bill has gone to California, and Bill has come back. <laughs> the party scene alone is worth watching this movie.
2: That was supposed to be his birthday party.
5: <laughs> his birthday
1: party, exactly.
5: And, also, so,
2: and Eve set it up you know Eve Set Mark-
1: everything up yeah. yeah yeah we should also point out too that one of the reasons that you don't you're not really um on to Eve so early is because at least in the beginning you're you're really focused uh, i think the 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 story's really focused on Margot and how insecure she is mm-hmm. uh, she's older she's she's an uh, aging actress she's yeah. an aging actress she's playing a very young Character, mm-hmm. um, and she's, she's able to pull, who's probably
5: twenty five.
1: She's able to pull it off because she's Margot Channing, name and lights. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, realistically, it's uh, it wasn't written for uh, a character, an actress her age. That's so, true. Um, so she certainly couldn't go to
5: Hollywood and play and,
1: and particular not only on the stage, but in particular, she's dating a younger man. Uh-huh. who's going years. yeah who's going to hollywood being surrounded by starlets
3: uh-huh. and of
1: course this business even in new york is 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 full of starlets totally. um so she's very insecure very insecure so eve taps into that big time
5: and, and she does and she hones in on it and she pokes and prods in just the right spot yeah doesn't so, she? But
1: for, for <laughs> but for a lot of people, um, they see Margot er, her as just being paranoid. And She's jealous.
5: Yes, paranoid, jealous, and quite frankly, outrageous and out of control. Absolutely. I <laughs> mean, the the party, um, Bertie tells her that um Bill's been in the house for twenty minutes and hasn't come upstairs to see her. Yep. Which just sets her off as she downs a martini <laughs> and practically runs downstairs in that dress. And then stops at the last couple of steps and is like, oh, there you are. And then she starts daggering pretty much everyone in the place.
2: Whoa, attitude, big time.
5: Oh, yeah. And then when Karen and the the entourage comes in and Karen says, we've seen you like this before. Is it over? Is it just beginning? So this is one of her normal tirades you know this is not the first time she's um indulged in this type of behavior and then you get the she downs another drink and she goes to the stairs and that's where you get the uh the, the famous line of fasten your seat belts it's going to be a bumpy night
1: such a mm-hmm. such a beautiful moment she, oh, she downs awesome. the drink puts it down takes a few steps up the stairs the camera just follows her and mm-hmm. she just turns around and utters that phrase and it's um, it's a perfect phrase, but it's delivered and directed perfectly.
2: Oh, goose! It was total goosebumps. Totally, yeah.
1: Now we, it, we let you mention, know that it lets you know that we're going to be in for oh, uh, it's
5: going to be fun. It's <laughs> going to be fun because at that point, pretty much when when she comes back down, is the time when Addison DeWitt and uh, Miss Caswell, Marilyn Monroe, enter. And Addison DeWitt is played by George Spencer. A George Sanders. Oh, sorry, George Sanders. My bad. That's right. Um, maybe, maybe I had a year or two. <laughs> just a magnificent character actor in in every way. You know, he's you know he's evil, <laughs> just from the the lilt of his voice, and it comes off as very intellectual elitism. But it evolves into something that is just horrific later on. The way the two of them just made
2: barbs. Exactly, with the long cigarette in the holder and everything, the cane. Yeah, you knew he was trouble.
5: Oh, always. He's always been trouble. In every movie he's been in, he's been in trouble.
2: (laughs) That's not true. I mean, he used to
1: be a lady man. He's been a leading man a leading several times. Man, yeah. he, he was the saint for... Uh, oh, was he? Throughout mm-hmm. the 30s. Yeah, he was the saint. Then he went on to be the detective of the Falcon in a series of movies. Mm. Um, so early on, he played, you know, he was pretty good. And I think he's a lot more versatile than, than, uh, than maybe you give him credit for there. I, I but, guess I've only he, seen him as
5: villains then. He
1: does play a good baddie. And how cool is it that the two baddies in this, Eve and uh addison. addison right and baxter and george sanders turn out later to be batman villains zelda oh, the great totally. olga uh, and mr freeze i mean it's totally. just like it's perfect it's, so, it's perfect <laughs> it, was,
2: it was awesome it really was it's like i recognize that person i recognize that one
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: and when we get to addison's little chat about theater people being you know, social defectives and being separated and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And we get the the playwright's version, which is much more sunnier and rosier than what Addison's saying. And he's like, well, that's your defection. <laughs> you see everything rosy. Um, and then that's that's the point where we come back to um, Margot running through, who has been, she's been quite drunk this whole time. And she comes over and basically uh, does her busy bee speech that's all like right. We're all bees, busy bees, pollinating uh with what is it, stings day and night, day and night, aren't we, honey? You know, uh, looking right at um Eve. Um just just saying that she knows that there's there's things going on that are that's not well. There there's backstabbing going on. She can't prove it, but she knows that it's going on. And of course, everyone still thinks she's you know, quite psychotic. She's quite paranoid about Eve. And Eve's doing everything perfectly. She is a loving caring employee taking care of everything for Margo. what could you possibly have to complain about
1: well there's two things that happened at this party that uh <laughs> kind of uh you know start the beginning of the end here for them one is that uh margot uh it, it seeks t- to actively dump eve on someone else mm-hmm. uh the director there, the, the producer the, the producer yeah, sorry, tried getting producer. her office yeah.
2: job if you yeah. remember and,
1: I meanwhile, don't have enough work for her to do here, Max. Would you give her a job? And meanwhile, Eve tries to indirectly get herself to be uh, Margot's understudy.
2: Yes, without Margot knowing.
1: Oh yeah, without anybody knowing except yeah. for yeah. She, I mean, talk about going through the back door. Like this is like the the hidden back door, underground basement like door. Like she 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 asks the wife of the playwright uh-huh <laughs> to, to, to get her the, to get her that like well, that's like the real back door that's it really makes shady.
5: so much sense she's oh, into every performance <laughs> she knows the part inside and out Oh, it's so conniving. It's beautiful.
1: Oh, uh, the way she treats, the way she beautiful. works, the way she works, Karen is. Oh, like a fiddle. Like oh. a fiddle.
2: Oh, exactly. And you, but she you felt could so not refute for the her. logic, right? Exactly. It was just, it was so well done.
5: <laughs> you wouldn't have to train another girl. I went up we, we find out that Margot's understudy gets pregnant. I would not be surprised if, uh. Eve had something to do with that. She put- I really wouldn't be
1: surprised.
2: <laughs> she was taking little pinholes into the condoms <laughs>
5: or whatever. Yeah. Oh, got got her drunken sick to Navy man on her, whatever, you know, whatever has to happen has to happen. Right. As, as we discover later when Eve reveals her true form, <laughs> we'll see you later. Um, Margo just basically blows up at, um, the party, and then everyone goes off their ways. Karen's huffy about it because, you know, she she's taken this too. much. This was a step too far for Margot. Not that they aren't speaking terms, but Karen's just had it right now. You know, you have a friend who you just can't deal with once in a while, and you just have to like, I need some space from you.
2: Oh, all the time, yeah. Yeah,
5: yeah. Margot is has reached that point with Karen,
1: and Karen's on Team Eve. That totally, definitely.
5: Karen's on Team Eve. Almost everyone's on Team Eve except for Birdie, really. You know, when and, you think Mar- about it, yeah. everyone's
2: at first oh, Margo. Yeah. yeah. You know,
5: at this point, Margot's not on team Eve at all. No. So um, yeah, she takes over his understudy and uh, because Margot doesn't wear a watch or whatever, she shows up at the theater the next day to help read for Miss Caswell's audition um, like, like an hour and a half late and she shows up and Addison is there and the audition's over and he's like, well, your understudy read in your place. She's like, I don't see why a pregnant girl should have to be subjected to an audition. It's like, no, your unpregnant new understudy, Eve Harrington.
2: Dun, dun, dun. Dun!
5: And obviously Margot had no idea that that had happened behind her back. Nope. And uh, Addison knew that she had no idea. Slipped your mind, did it? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, that's what
1: it did. Slipped my mind.
2: And that's the last time we see Marilyn Monroe in the film. That is the last time you I see her.
1: I don't know if Addison knew. I mean, he he knows when she like when he tells her, but I don't think he knew ahead of time.
5: No, he he knew because he was in there with the audition.
1: I know, no, but I I, I don't think he wasn't part of Eve's plan at this point. Oh no, no, he no, Made himself a part of the plan. Yeah, he yeah. Once he sees what she, once he recognizes what she does here, mm-hmm. he legitimately seeks her out. And, totally. Because he's looking for a
5: Ms. Caswell that can actually act.
1: Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, his character is – Addison's character, man, you could write uh, tons of papers on this guy. Like his, his character is fascinating in this.
5: And that's why Addison sends Ms. Caswell off to California so
1: he won't have to deal with her anymore.
2: Yeah, that totally makes sense. Off to TV land. It, exactly. You must go into television.
1: <laughs> do, do, they do, do they do auditions in television? It's That's nothing con, but it's awesome. I like that. Constantly,
2: it's always <laughs> auditions. <laughs>
1: television is nothing but auditions. Like, he's just, it's, yeah. It's oh. oh
5: and so, yeah, Marilyn Monroe's out of the movie at this point, and we move on. <laughs> and so uh, Margot Channing enters the theater and basically manages to eviscerate everyone in the room. Um, they all leave <laughs> angry at her, <laughs> Yeah. which can you blame them
1: or can no, you not blame them? Ex- except I Eve. Mean, Eve's not angry. She's just no. awkward. E- Eve awkwardly she leaves out, silent, because... She's, she's exit stage left. <laughs> very quietly. Mm-hmm. You know,
5: you, if she had a mustache, she would be <laughs> twirling it. Like, <laughs> let the old woman crack <laughs> under the pressure, you know, um... As all the men leave her, including Bill, her boyfriend, who seems to end the relationship at that point.
1: Yeah, I have no doubt that when she left, she still was within earshot, so she could hear everything that was going on. Oh,
5: totally. She was somewhere in that room, listening in.
2: Yeah, she would be the one of the people who put the glass up to the door and everything to listen through.
5: And so the playwright comes home to Karen. (laughs) And he hears, uh, she hears all about what happened at the theater. And she's like, oh, there's got to be a way to get back at Marco. Marco's just being beastly, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we're going away for the weekend. Oh, I have a brilliant idea. And so she calls Eve up. Because Karen's being played at this point. Yep. And uh, the next thing you know is uh, it was supposed to be a couple's weekend for the two couples, playwright i like how they say couple's weekend weekend. we won't call it swinging
2: Uh,
5: (laughs) the couple's weekend it was early 50s not late 50s um they they all go off but bill does not show up the playwright's not there the director not not the playwright sorry the director the director is not there um like i said the men kind of interweave in my head in this movie um they they are off. And so they're driving Margot to the train station so she can get her train to get back to New York. It's the last train for her to catch. And they're on a rural road somewhere in New York, supposedly. And the, the car runs out of gas. And they have this conversation in the car. After, uh, the, uh, de- the playwright leaves to go find some gas somewhere. Obviously Margot does not make the theater. And, uh, Margot says at the last minute of it, well, it's not like you had um, emptied the car of gasoline yourself. <laughs> and you can see Celeste Holm, who has Looking felt guilty <laughs> about this prank that she has played, slink into the car seat.
2: Oh, she could have – if she could have been followed into the back seat, she would have.
5: She would have. Like – so it tells you, yeah, she did empty the car of well, gasoline. You remember, so but she was able in to that, tell Eve, you're going to go on tonight.
2: But even in that scene, if you notice – Margo was like, maybe I'm being too hard on Eve. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. She was starting to.
5: She's trying to be sympathetic, yeah. Exactly,
2: and you know that blows up in her face right there. Yeah,
5: later. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, she she realizes that some of her behavior has been a little beastly lately, and she apologizes to her friends, but the damage has already been done. The dam has broken. <laughs> Eve's plan is working. <laughs> And that's when you get the next scene with Addison DeWitt at the theater. It's like, hmm, very odd that no one knew that Margot was not going to be here tonight. But everyone in town who works at a paper got an invite to go see an understudy's performance.
2: Oh, and I loved when the critic was there. And, you know, all the other critics were walking out of her dressing room. It's like, oh, all these people were invited to this.
5: Mm -hmm. And, of course, he overhears her trying to get a hold of Margot's man. Yep. Which just gives Addison more fuel for the fire.
1: I got to, I got to hand it to the way it's written too. Cause Bill does not waver. No. Like, like it, you know, surprisingly, you know, you kind of expect him, his character to just sort of fall for her as well. But man, he huh. does not. He is like, I am, even though they've broken up at this point, a quote unquote broken up, uh he is still devoted to Margot, which is uh i think one of the most amazing like that scene is amazing to me yeah you would have expected him to jump on eve literally oh yeah, yeah. i
2: was ex- fully expecting him to be seduced
1: i mean nope. Margot was kind of pushing him that way too
2: yeah like uh, where are you going to it.
1: see eve like you know like he it's almost like she wants him to do it but, like daring
5: him to do it in a way. exactly really. yeah like but it's expected I, I think at the end we see where his motivation is. I go after the things I want. I don't want them to come after me.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's a
5: pursuer, not the pursuee. He,
1: he's a <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a Hollywood slash the, New York theatrical director. Like he gets hit on more times the day than I I breathe. Mm-hmm. And so he just throws it back, and then Addison
5: pretends he didn't hear all this exchange. And knocks on the door and invites Eve out to to dinner. But while he's doing that, he kind of quizzes her about her story. And doesn't rip a, you know, apart the facade yet. He needed the info first. Like, oh, the
1: Schubert. Oh, he knows. Oh,
5: the Schubert. He you know, he needed the confirmation. <laughs> he knows. Oh, he, he needed so the
2: confirmation. It's like when he said, "Ah, oh, the Schubert. What a great theater. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, and he was, I. the look on his face, he's like, nabbed.
5: Uh-huh. <laughs> busted totally <Yeah>. busted so <laughs> we fast forward a day and eve and addison are going to have lunch in a place where oh karen happens to be there because she's waiting on Margot, and this is an unusual thing apparently because Margot doesn't eat out in public well addison informs <laughs> karen um i think you'll be waiting a while for her here's my column for the day and they leave And Karen reads the column and and beats it straight to Margot's house. Addison has written this column, uh, this poison-penned column, praising Eve's performance and damning old actresses who play too old for their age, too young for their age, basically. Scathing. Very scathing. scathing. Without ever saying her name. It didn't have to. Didn't have to. Everyone knew who he was talking about. Everybody knew
1: yeah oh good
5: lord so um eve then goes over to the playwright lloyd and tries to apologize for addison twisting her words it's so tragic she's just a little flower she didn't know what she was doing (laughs) And, and karen finds this out after she's been at um Margo's house. And of course, Bill has come in after he read it to comfort Margo and they reconcile. blah, blah, blah. And Karen leaves. Karen goes back home and this is when they had this discovery about the whole, <laughs> the whole thing about Eve coming over. Who Eve just happened to mention his play and about how, you know, it's a great part. Cora is a great part. And we hear about this play and the, the part of Cora. We never see anything of the play, but this becomes the like driving force of the third act here. And Karen forbids him, forbids it. (laughs) The playwright's wife forbids him to have Eve Harrington in his new play. Think about the logic of that, but Mm -hmm. I guess it's the 1950s. So, okay. Margot and uh, Bill call and they invite the the two of them out to the cub room, (laughs) the cub room, um, um,
2: New York, 1950, come on. New
5: York, 1950, exactly. So they all go. And the next scene we have is dinner. And (laughs) it's really an interesting scene where we get them sitting around. We we find out that Margot and Bill are now engaged officially to get married, which has kind of been an on-again, off-again question throughout the movie. And they're all so happy. And then they see Addison DeWitt sitting over there. And there's um, a bit of annoyance at that. Then Eve passes a note to Karen. Please, please won't you talk to me in the restroom. Uh, (laughs) And so they send Karen, Celeste Holm, off to go visit the restroom. And this is where we get the scene where we finally reveal Eve for who Eve actually is.
2: Evil.
5: Evil. (laughs) It's right there in the title. It's been there the whole time.
1: When uh, when Mankiewicz uh, cast Ann Baxter, the Zanuck in the studio didn't really want Ann Baxter. They were looking for somebody else, um, but uh, he he insisted, and uh, the, the 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 phrase he used was that Ann Baxter had quote unquote bitch virtuosity. Yep, yep, yes, she does, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which. Big which time. i'm like okay if that's not a uh a gay term <laughs> pretty much yeah isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know what is uh
5: anyone who's seen me cut it eye at someone who i disapprove of real quick
1: <laughs> i'm like bitch virtuosity i'm like pretty i much. have never heard that used before but and it's
2: per- truthfully if you don't see it in this movie watch the 10 commandments folks come on oh
1: it's there too yeah
5: But I have to say, you've got to have someone who can be on the same level as Davis. Oh, sure. And you can't have a protagonist and an antagonist without them being on at least the same level for for acting. They've got to be able to go, believably, head to head, right? So you have to have a bitch to deal with a bitch. That's just the way it is, which is why Karen just basically gets eaten up and chewed out all the time.
1: But, you know, despite that, you know, it starts off, or it the first two acts, it makes it sound like, uh, the plot weaves it. It's this sort of, you know, Margot versus Eve story. But the third act is all uh, like Margot is hardly in the third act mm-hmm.
2: um, because it's just kind it's, of faded it, away.
1: Yeah, it's because Eve Her is you know. Over. It, yeah, Addison comes in, and it's Addison who, like, you know.
5: Well, the third bitch in the movie.
1: Yeah, it takes takes
2: control. That scene in the hotel room with Mm -hmm. Eve. Wow.
5: Well, we'll get there. We're still in the ladies' room.
2: Yeah, I know, but wow. when
5: When Eve reveals her plan to Karen about, I told Addison everything, and he left out the detail of your little prank on Margot. So if you don't want everyone to hear about that, you'll make sure your husband puts me in his play as Cora. And Karen realizes she's, she's in a corner.
2: She's over her head at that point. Oh,
5: totally. She, she's been played, 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 played. And she's like, you would do that for a part in a play? She's like, I'd do that and much, much more for a part that good. Which is why I think maybe she had something to do with this, the understudy getting pregnant. Just thinking. Just saying. If, she, if she's willing to do that, what wouldn't she do? Basically. Which, which just leaves Karen, like, speechless and just sitting there in the restroom, knowing full well that she's going to have to acquiesce to this request or lose Margo as a friend forever. And possibly the director as well. And lose her husband's work as a playwright as well. There's a lot standing on the fact that Addison DeWitt not write that in a column ever. Think about the, the level of that weight. <laughs> Boom. Done. Career's Over. So the two um, Addison and Eve leave the cub room and Karen goes back and just passes it all off as, Oh, she just wanted to apologize. And Eve, um, sorry, not Eve, Margot, kind of acts it all out. Did she cry? No, no, not at first. Not at first. Of course not. Of course not. She didn't cry at first, Uh you know, acting it all out as she basically would have acted it out. And, um, uh, the the floor just gets silent. And then Margot announces she's retiring from the theater and she will do a, a tour of this play that she's currently in for the playwright, but she doesn't want to play the part of Cora. It's not a role for her now that she's married. And Karen just breaks down laughing that Eve's plan has totally worked. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this plan has totally worked.
1: Well, not to Eve's. Not not
5: completely, but as far as Karen's concerned, yeah, yeah. Th- this was the, uh, the cross T and the dot I. Oh, this is hilarious. Yeah. But then they start rehearsing the new play. And Eve starts muscling in on Karen's man. Oh, it gets ugly. It gets ugly. And Karen does the only thing she can do. She goes to Addison DeWitt. And has dinner with him. Or was it breakfast or lunch or whatever before? Um, they The company for this new play goes out to New Haven, which is where you go out and try new plays basically before you bring them to Broadway um, has a conversation with him. And we don't know about this until it's revealed later. So the next scene is Addison and Eve walking through new Haven, her basically rejoicing about, Oh, I'm going to open in this new play. It's my part. It's, Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's great. It's blah, blah, blah. All the while she's been trying to sink her teeth into the the playwrights, you know, husband. It didn't work for the director. Maybe the playwright will play ball with her. Um and it doesn't work. Because Addison tells her all about everything that he talked with Karen about the night before.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) He
5: might leave he might leave Karen, but he's not leaving Karen and walking in with you because I own you.
2: Oh Oh. belong
5: to what are you talking about? (laughs) Oh that was
2: just that's wicked. That was just completely wicked.
5: It was absolutely wicked. And Addison DeWitt basically takes apart every bit of Eve's backstory and informs everyone of the lies they are, you know, to Eve at least, and says, basically, if you want none of this to be print, you belong to me.
1: Yes, Gertrude.
5: Yeah, Gertrude Slavinsky or something.
1: (laughs) All about Gertrude. (laughs)
5: Yeah, <laughs> that that's a name that'll look good in, uh, in lights, right? <laughs> Ratujechlewinski. <Richard> <laughs> so, uh, Eve and it was finished.
2: interesting how he, oh. you know, how he did that. It was just like, yep. oh, and then we slapped her.
5: Oh yeah, you got you had to have a 1950 slap. Yeah, it's what you did to hysterical women, right?
1: Smack.
2: I you mean, Gary Miller.
1: You almost feel sorry for Eve here.
2: Eve. No, no, uh, no, 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 really, no.
5: No, not she's, at all. No,
2: not at she all. She made
5: this bed. She gets to lie in
2: it. She was getting her comps and co-ops in that one.
5: Come I up
2: and scissors. D- yes.
1: S- the come up and scissors.
2: S- yes. She definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, she got. I,
1: kinda, I, I see that too, but I also like, you know, I mean, just the just another woman that's being held down by a man kind of thing is like not cool to see. You know what I mean?
2: Well, she was so manipulative and I was glad to see it's what karma. Like, yeah. It's no, karma. I
1: get it. I get it. I think it would have been... You know, maybe had she maybe. told
5: the truth, had she auditioned, had she come up through the ranks like a like an actor is supposed
1: sure,
2: to? Sure. So no, Addison
5: you, DeWitt wouldn't have had this over her.
2: Exactly. If you would have seen uh this happen in Dynasty or you know, <laughs> one of those, you would have been cheering him on. Totally. For you know, doing that. But I'm pregnant I, I with like your how, no, child. no, no,
1: no, 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 yeah. wait, wait, let's make this clear. I would not have been cheering Addison <laughs> is a piece of shit. I mean, Addison is Okay, a, they both are. Yeah, yeah. They're, no, they're, no, both, but, but no. they're both garbage. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, I can't, like, because, you know, obviously the guy has no talent whatsoever in terms no, of... he's a critic. He is a critic, um, but he, you know, he, he, desir- he desires theatrical power, like, in uh-huh. that community. And he, you know, goes through these women and takes advantage of these women just, uh, just to make himself more powerful. And he is scum. So I, I definitely, you know, like I said, you, I said, I'm not completely on each side here, but I'm, I, like I said, I, you almost feel sorry for her.
5: But it makes you wonder who's the who's the greatest villain of the piece.
1: Well, yeah, she gets, she gets, uh, you know, uh, as Mike said, she gets upstaged. She, she literally gets upstaged. Literally,
5: and when he says, um, "Yeah, you're, you're, was it battling out of your uh, weight class?" Because
1: the only way out for her. Is to go to Hollywood. Yep. Yep. Which is why she's leaving. Yep.
2: Oh, and God. That's, that still doesn't God. mean
5: that Addison's not going to write an article.
2: Oh, no,
1: no.
5: <laughs> so, yeah, at at the end of the film, then this this film is basically all told in flashbacks, but it's bookmarked, right? Where they start at, at a scene and they end in the same scene. It's just the front part and the back part of it. When you watch the beginning of the movie and you see them sitting at this award ceremony, everyone seems quite fine. They seem okay. But when they come back and you see Eve give her acceptance speech for this great dramatic award that she's receiving in less than a year from her debut on the stage, you can see the fuming of Karen. More more like shaming, because if it wasn't for her, this never would have happened. None of this would have occurred. She's the one who brought her into the, the backstage to meet Margo. So all this mess, Karen feels great guilt about. And Addison's just eating it up because he knows everything that's gone on with everybody. And Margo's just sitting there with her cigarette, staring daggers at Eve Harrington.
2: Oh, my God. She's
5: praising everyone.
2: No one could do a cigarette and so well as (laughs) Betty Davis. A cigarette
5: flick, (laughs) you know. It's just (laughs) it is a piece of work. People talk about twists in movies now, you know, if Night Shyamalan and, and all that jazz. But when when you can tell a cohesive story and then go back and watch that first scene of the movie after you see all of it, you can see the shreds of what has happened that we're about to find out. You can see it on their faces. You see it from all the men that Eve's tried to come on to. You see it from Addison gloating and grinning because he knows he's got Eve. And you see it from the women who can't stand her. Just absolutely cannot stand her now, which is why she is leaving to go to California because no one will give her the time of day in New York now.
2: Nope, exactly. And then because Eve didn't even want to go to the party that was in her honor.
5: Because it would be surrounded by people who hated her. Yeah. And then what happens when she goes home? She comes in. She's lost that voice, that really feminine lilting voice. She's much more gruff when she's not talking to other people.
2: now. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Baby. Yeah,
5: whatever. You know, that, that, I guess, Wisconsinite sort of accent <laughs> has come out in a way. And then she's pouring herself a drink because she wasn't going to go to the party because she was tired and she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, there's a young girl who has let herself into her apartment and fallen asleep in a chair. Oh, no. No, please. Don't call the police. I haven't taken anything. Please search me. It's okay. And in less than five minutes, this girl is the new Eve.
2: Yep. Yep. Exactly. And Eve is now
5: Margot. And,
1: Margo. and the, the circle, it's an endless circle. Right? It, yep. It That's, keeps going. It the, keeps on trucking. Yeah. hmm It's... uh. Whew, such a powerful movie mm mm-hmm.
5: It's a great ending, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's a great ending oh, it was awesome um it's skillfully written, wonderfully acted mm-hmm. uh i mean it is there's a reason that it is one of the like a lot of people consider this one of the best movies ever made, and you know, I can see why yeah. the first time yeah. maybe the first time I watched it i th- I think it, I thought it was entertaining. Uh, And that was only five months ago was the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, And I saw it and I was like, okay, this is pretty good. I I, I like this. But watching it again, I was like, wow, this is like, this movie gets better the more times you watch it. Because you're paying attention more to the language. Yes, exactly. And And the
5: script has got a point to make and it makes it sometimes so quickly you don't hear it the first time through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're just kind of following the story and you're watching it and everything like that. Um, but yeah, once you sort of, you know, know everything and you, it's one of those things when you rewatch it, knowing everything, it just enhances the viewing experience. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is a
5: movie that definitely benefits from a second viewing, maybe even so. three or four.
1: So, um let me ask you this because uh, I know we're getting kind of tight, but I, I wanted to ask you this because I, I had to you know uh, doing the research and everything because I don't think i there was one moment where I thought I thought well that's kind of interesting because there's something that Eve says to Margot at one point or margot says some some connection with them, but I have seen where there's a lot of theory and and emphasis on this or or mm-hmm. an angle put on this that eve is is a, 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 like a coded lesbian yeah the, and
5: that's true because when um Margot's going up to dinner or up for the night in the party scene um right, right. and bill's there
1: and bill's like and,
5: um bill's oh, like do you want in? me to see you up or tuck you in or whatever it's like take my clothes off tuck me in which the way she says it means me now <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what i thought
5: yep. yep oh yeah um
2: that is obvious
5: and uh Margot says, you would, wouldn't you, Bill? And um, there's a pause, like, Eve would, wouldn't you, Eve? And she's like, if you'd like.
2: Mm -hmm. It's right there. right there. It's like, how far in front of your face can you get this
5: one? Let's forget the whole fact that this this is the 1950s and this is the love that dare not speak its name. But villains in the 50s and 60s sometimes were coded as being gay. Because of the things that they did on stage or screen or the way the script was written. Because gay people are always evil. Right? So now, Eve gets to be a coded lesbian because Eve is the villain of the piece. And you can actually look at George Sanders and go, maybe. Because he wasn't living <laughs> with, um, with Eve at the end of the movie. He came back to deliver the, the award. He's living somewhere else. Right? Would you would you sleep in a house with a woman that you had blackmailed?
1: No. Well, and that's true. I mean, he's not when he <laughs> you says belong he to me, when does he, says you to me he doesn't mean like it like you're going to marry we're going to mm-hmm. get married and uh, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to get half of whatever you make of from now on. It's more like, nope, I yeah, it's an I made guy. you
5: and I can unmake you.
1: Yeah, his character reminds me a lot of um uh a character uh, that's in the movie, Laura, 1944, oh, yeah. uh, played by Clifton Webb, uh, Waldo Lidecker, who I'm not going to spoil that movie or talk about that movie, but it's one of the great like, mystery movies of the, it's a great mystery ages. movie and Clifton Webb, who was uh, actually uh, homosexual, um, mm-hmm. uh, plays this character that's, you know, it's that, it's that witty critic columnist uh, that, that is, is so witty and so mm-hmm. clever but also has a lot of baggage and a lot of control issues. Um yep. and it's interesting. I, I did see also that uh when they remade Laura, like in the fifties, uh George Sanders played that character. And well, I was like, well, that, that kind of fits. <laughs> uh, uh, it's so, so uh, fits. Although George Sanders was not, as far as I know, I mean, everything I looked at, he's he was not gay. So uh but man, that character sure seems to be I, I could see that, you know, because the times where eve does hit on men it's not for romantic purposes she's no, it's just for power she's just using them totally yeah, yeah. she's just sex absolutely. as a weapon sex yeah. as a weapon <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: there doesn't exactly. seem to be
1: anything romantic in her whatsoever mm-hmm. it's all predatory it's fresh. all predatory
5: exactly
1: yeah there's which no is...
5: romance about it at all when she does it very mm-hmm. interesting no. very interesting so you know which, which makes her dangerous as a woman in the 50s
2: it was funny though, because when Eve went back to the apartment or whatever, or hotel room, whatever that was, yeah, and you saw the figure in the chair, I was partly thinking it was the assistant. You know, oh, Birdie. From I thought it was Birdie, and Birdie was going to kill her.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I actually the first time I saw it, I'm like, someone's going to kill this bitch. Somebody. yeah. yeah gonna kill this bitch and it didn't happen and i i really was kind of disappointed the first time that that didn't occur but it it struck me that this was something that would not end well with a murder as a movie
1: yeah i could see where you could turn it into a murder uh play but Mm -hmm. um obviously it's not necessary and the 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 ending is so much more like it's just gonna keep happening. Yep, this it's is perfect, the way it happening. Is. This is just gonna keep happening. This is just gonna keep happening because that's the way. I mean, I think even though you know, some of us know so some people in the entertainment business, and even in the real world, like in another, like because yeah, I don't consider the entertainment business the real world, but um, but like even neither, neither is Addison DeWitt. wit. I mean, so I think we've <laughs> kind of. I, I think we've all kind of known from like people that are kind of like Eve. Oh yeah, in, in some ways or another,
5: right? We've all. If if we're out in the working world, we all know that one person who will do anything to get ahead no matter what, period. End of discussion. And you get really good as you get older spotting them and tagging them and going, yeah, not you. (laughs) Because it's It's just someone looking for a a place to put a knife in your back. And it's sad you've got to be that way. But for every generation, there is another Eve to borrow a line from Buffy. (laughs) It's just the way it is.
2: (laughs) It's true.
1: <laughs> it's just the way it's going to be.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. Before Eve.
1: <laughs> so I, I know that this has been. Um, A bumpy night. Uh, this has been adapted. Uh, I believe that there's a stage adaptation. Oh, yeah, there would have to be. Uh, I, I did find, I did look at it in, in, in one of the stage adaptations. Uh, Anne Baxter herself actually played Margot, which is kind of cool. I would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen that. Um, and uh, Gillian Anderson also played Margot in a, uh, in, in last year, actually, in a stage adaptation of All About You. Did you know that there was um, a musical version? I yeah, applause,
5: know. right? Um so, uh, Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Applause.
5: Applause, but yeah. it starred um, Lauren McCall. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. As Margot Channing. And Margot Channing walks into a gay bar in the village.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs>
5: just imagine, just imagine Betty Davis walking into a gay bar and.
2: Hello, pandemonium.
5: Boys. the pandemonium that will have ensued at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, they would all bow down and, and, and get on, the, you know, like, you know, just sort of like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Right.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, totally not worthy. But Yeah. The musical didn't do too well, but <laughs> it's still fun to think about all about Eve as a musical.
1: Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's so, that's the other thing too. It it's, it's, it's it's not a big movie it's not an epic tale this could be a play like i was sort of surprised when i when i uh, was doing the research i was like oh it's not a based on a play because it seems so theatrical not Mm -hmm. only does it because it takes place like at broadway but because it just feels so theatrical as everything about it you know i I mean it
5: was based on a piece that was written in cosmopolitan
1: yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I just saw that. It was yeah. based on a, on a short story, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mankiewicz
5: but, bought the ride to it. And wow. wow, well, a good job with know, that script. You know, Mankiewicz family
1: doesn't get, I mean, they're, they're just a powerhouse in and of itself when it mm-hmm. comes to Hollywood stuff. So this is just another notch on their belt, but it's, it's still an impressive piece of work. And, and let,
5: let's address one more thing before we wrap up. Um, Betty Davis did not win best actress for this movie <laughs> and neither did ann baxter win best actress for this movie because the studio could not get ann baxter to go into the best supporting actress category for all about eve she had already won an academy award um i think one or two years prior to that um so they, betty and ann competed for best actress and celeste holm was in the best supporting actress category
2: Gotcha. For all about
5: Eve, but none of the ladies won for their categories. Damn! O- only Sanders won for Best Supporting Actor.
2: Yeah. Well, he he deserved it. Oh, totally, he did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it also
1: should be pointed out too that uh, Sunset Boulevard also came out this year, that year,
5: and and she didn't win either. Gloria Swanson did not win.
1: Right, right. I could because I think the I think mm. the the voters just were split. Between the three of them, and they Judy
5: Holiday one. Yeah. So they couldn't. Judy Holiday one. Yeah. It's one of those like,
1: yeah, it's one of those weird kind of things where you're like, yeah. what? How did that happen? But I think it, it happened they, because uh, the vote split. Yeah.
2: Mm hmm. That happened. Split
1: three ways. That's how it happened. So, you know, <laughs>
5: it's do, a thing.
2: How do you think Marissa Tomei won? Come on. <laughs> are... Exactly.
1: It's your biological clock. So one more thing uh, before we tap out of this one, I have Mm -hmm. to say that when I rewatched this, uh, I did so on Saturday night and Mm -hmm. I made it a double feature. I watched this and then I I, right after this, I watched Mildred Pierce for the first time. Let me tell you, let me tell you, all about Eve and Mildred Pierce are like one of the like, that's the best double feature you could, like, I mean, talk about two women in their prime, like, just with incredible performances. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joan Crawford, of course, is in uh, Mildred uh, Mildred Pierce, Pierce, and it's just,
5: I I would say... That was her
1: comeback movie. Yeah. That was her save me from the acting grave. Which was, like, five years before, you know, Betty's unfortunately, or oddly enough. But, uh, yeah, so to see both of them, like, really just perform uh, with roles that just it seems like they were written for them Mm -hmm. even though they were not the first choices for either one um is just uh it was kind of fun so i definitely even though the tone and the and like the plots and everything are really different i definitely recommend people who have seen all about eve if they haven't seen mildred pierce if they haven't seen laura there's a lot of uh there's a lot of good classic movies out there there's a lot of missing out on there's really like a lot of good elements that are the same as far as the writing, the acting, the performing. Um, There's a lot of elements that I found very similar theme. So uh, even though they don't seem like they're connected, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of connections between them. So I definitely recommend uh, people check those out as well.
5: Totally agree. And next time we'll, we'll make it a little funnier. We're going to go a little funnier next time.
2: What are we looking at next time?
5: (laughs) We're going to look at the art of drag next time. The art of drag drag. from two men who typically never did drag before and didn't do it again, pretty much. (laughs) Okay. But it does feature Miss Marilyn Monroe, Jack Lemmon, and Tony Curtis. Some like it hot. Ah, Wonderful
2: movie.
5: Absolutely. So that will be our next stop in our black and white tour
1: de force. It is a it is frequently shown on Turner Classic Movies. Mm-hmm.
5: And this one has more of a gay undercurrent for obvious reasons. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, let's yep. take a quick break and we'll be back and we will close out the show.
0: everybody. Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. And as we so often do, uh, we have to say goodbye. We have to bid a fond and grateful farewell to a legend, an absolute icon, words that are overused, but in the case of Little Richard, they don't even begin to describe the human whirlwind, the sport of nature that he was, a foundation of rock and roll, a member of the first ever Hall of Fame class, and every artist in rock music owes him a debt, and he knew that. He very well knew that, as he he said to Joan Rivers in the in the uh, late eighties, "Prince is the Little Richard of his generation," W absolutely true. And it's amazing to to read um, a quote from an interview he did um, about his early days. His very early records were not were not his trademark. They were just very tame pop records and they didn't go anywhere. He said when he first started, he'd never heard anyone do rock and roll and he was scared. Little Richard was scared. I can't... Even... The, the the mind reels. But he got over that fear. He said, I put that little thing on it. I always did have that thing, but I didn't know what to do with the thing I had. And when he got over that fear and put that little thing on it, he changed the world. Um, And I love... I read a quote from uh, Brian Johnson, used to sing with ACDC. ACDC are huge Little Richard fans. And Brian Johnson described in detail seeing Little Richard on TV for the first time ever. Um, And he said, WTF, there was nothing. And then there was this. So think about it. Think about being a kid in the 50s and pop music is patty Page and Connie Francis and Bing Crosby. And then that happened. How mind-blowing it was and how the world just shifted on its axis. Um, so we, you can't think of Little Richard and be sad. So with affection and gratitude, we just have to say f- farewell to Little Richard. And also this past week, the music world lost... Um, Another artist who was, he's one of the most influential um, musicians in contemporary music history. And his name is Florian Schneider. He was the co founder of Kraftwerk. And here in the States, um, they've kind of got a cult following, but they were never, obviously, a hit single making um, machine. But Craftwork's influence on contemporary music, um, a lot of articles out there right now about comparing them to the Beatles, and it is not far-fetched. And Moby put it um, a while back. Um, he said, Craftwork is to contemporary electronic music what the Beatles and Rolling Stones are to contemporary rock music. Um, music would be very different right now with no Craftwork. They're a huge influence on... Early hip hop, techno, house, disco. Um, without them, you wouldn't have had most of what happened in the '80s. You wouldn't have a lot of what's happening now. You wouldn't have artists like Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails. Um, just a huge debt all the way around, um, and you wouldn't know it if you just looked at at American pop charts or to, or to look at the band. Uh, they certainly didn't look like pop stars. Um, but I will leave you uh, with a quote from Florian Schneider that just seems uh, very fitting right now. Um, He said to Rolling Stone in 1975, there is no beginning and no end in music. Some people want it to end, but it goes on. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment,
4: and we will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take, I'm your host Angela, and this week this geek girl is talking about the mid-season premiere of Rick and Morty. So last week, yes, I waited a week as to give some people some time to watch this episode so I didn't spoil it, of Rick and Morty aired. And this has been a long time coming since we saw the first four episodes to this recent season many, many, many weeks ago. And let me tell you, The creators of this show are trolls. The episode was really fun. It was set on a train, and Rick and Morty are trying to figure out how to get off of the train. It was also a clip show. Basically all the clips from the teaser trailer, actually. Not all of them, but a whole bunch of them. Which is why I say they're trolls. You know. Because... They basically just clipped a bunch of this episode for the trailer. I think my favorite thing in the clips from the show, though, has to be the scorpions with the pink bows on their head because they were adorable. This episode was also heavily sponsored by Wendy's since I watched it live and they had a Rick and Morty Wendy's breakfast commercial then lots and lots of Wendy's commercials all throughout the entire episode. Like, Wendy's went in hard on Rick and Morty this part of the season. I am excited to see what we get from this new season. Will it be more ongoing story narrative, or will it just be a bunch of filler episodes to finish out the last bit of the season? The first episode seemed to just be a commercial for a train that you could buy at the Citadel of Rick's. So, starting like that, I'm not really sure what we're going to get. But so far from this season that has given us snake jazz, I really, really hope we get some great episodes. Well, thanks for listening to a Geek Girls Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
2: that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Darren, thank you for introducing us to Eve tonight. Uh,
5: you're welcome, darling. It's been wonderful being had this evening.
2: Anything you got to shout out about?
5: I do. One, one quick shout out um, to uh, everyone out there who loved All About Eve. You have got to, got to, got to do. Go to YouTube and search for Charles Pierce, Betty Davis. You will see the best drag impersonation of Betty Davis ever in your life. It is Uh, mandatory viewing.
2: That is awesome. That is cool. Definitely will look it up. Mm -hmm. And we will, if you send me the link, we'll have it in the show notes.
5: I will send it to you shortly, sir.
2: Thank you, my friend. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure, darling. What are you going to shout out about?
1: Uh, I want to give a shout out to um, well, I guess, and I'll give a shout out to the man who kind of uh, founded the, this uh, this this thing that's going on in May. Uh, animator used to be uh, worked for Disney, uh, Tom Bancroft. Um, he is sort of the last couple of years is uh, sort of inspired this uh, this thing in May called Mermaid. Uh, hashtag mermaid and it's on instagram and facebook all the social media and it's encouraging artists and, and other creative folks to post images of mermaids uh all month long and uh it's a lot of uh, creative people have come out and done some beautiful things uh there is a contest uh where i think he's working with uh Wake em, uh to to give uh is it Wakem like Wake em, right uh, to give uh, someone a tablet, an artist, a tablet and uh, some beautiful, beautiful work to come out of this. If you're if you dig mermaids like I do, if you dig really cool art like I do, um, if you just want to have fun in this month in May, just check out certainly on Instagram. Uh, like I said, all the social media just put in hashtag mermaid or mermaid 2020 and you'll see like some beautiful pieces. Oh, sweet.
2: That is awesome. I saw some of the stuff you've been posting like on Instagram and such.
1: Yeah, I posted uh, uh, of some of the best ones and some of the uh, ones that I saw like uh, some friends of ours uh, from friends of the station have done uh, that are participating as well as uh, just some ones that look pretty cool. So um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's just a, it's a great thing.
2: That is awesome. That is awesome. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it and following any links you have up for it. Very nice, sir. I'm going to bring down a little bit. Uh, we had a passing today. A true comedian and funny man. And I've been watching this man since I was probably eight or nine. Um, We're talking about Jerry Stiller. Oh, yeah. Um, And he passed away today at 92. Of course, uh, best known because he's the father of, uh, what's his name? Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yes, what's his name? Good old what's his name? (laughs) You know, and of course he was, uh, and Mira was, they were a famous comedy team, Stiller and Mira, and they had appeared on the Ed Sullivan show together over 30 times. And, you know, most people our age, though, know him mostly from Seinfeld and King of Queens. His roles on those shows. Uh but I remember him. I first saw Stiller and Mira back probably late seventies early eighties um they had a series on h b o it was they were the hosts of the h b o uh coming attractions show talking about what was coming on h b o the next month and they did skits they did some comedy but it was it was pretty awesome. And, you know, he was a very talented, very nice person for friends of mine who actually met him. And he was just very generous and just very sweet. And, you know, he, he, you saw what you saw on the screen pretty much was who he was and a cranky old guy, you know. Mm. So, you know. It's pretty awesome. Check out his work. He's appeared in a ton of movies, um, even you know some Al Pacino movies in the seventies. Um, you know, just different work he's done, and just there's, they have stand-up comedy records between Estela Ramirez, and, and it's just awesome. Definitely, he, he's in
5: one of the movies we, we've done on the uh, the LGBT. Abortion.
2: Yes, he was. Hairspray. Yes, he was. He was the father, mm-hmm. Ricky Lake Lake's father in uh, Hairspray not the musical but the original no
5: the original not the yep. musical
2: yep and yes so it was pretty awesome and you know definitely check out his work and he'll be missed and you know i don't think it was anything from corona i just think it was old age yeah so probably. and it just it's just craziness right now cuz we also lost little richard over the weekend
5: yeah we
3: did
2: yeah. So I don't know if Michelle's going to be talking about that in the music segment or just, it's just little Richard also is just was iconic.
1: Yes. So she uh, mentioned it in the segment.
2: Awesome. So we'll definitely, you'll hear that on this episode too. So definitely, you know, definitely listen to some music, check some movies out, you know, just take care of yourselves, as we like to say. Speaking of taking care of ourselves, we'll be back again next week when. Alex and Ashley are joining us once again and we're going to talk about a class reunion happening in Michigan. Why would we be talking about a class reunion in Michigan? Well, it just happens to be taking place in Gross Point and we're going to be talking all about Gross Point Blank. And it's a very fun movie and it'll be f- awesome to talk about some great music in it, great acting, John Cusack and many, many more. In this one, so it should be a lot of fun. But until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One Podcast. Take care of yourselves, hug your loved ones, and we'll see you. Peace. And we're done. Boom! Woo-hoo! Yay. You've been listening to the Earth Station One Podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Our Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESOnetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, Peace. and we're done.